Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Resky. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. So, but that brings us to the last word I'm going to mention, which is the word word, debar. And there's actually a couple different Hebrew words that are translated word. And so when he says, by living according to your word, that's the word debar. And the idea is it's a spoken word. It's God's revealed word to man, proceeding from his mouth, revealed by him to us. And man, thank God for his word, right? None of us would be here this morning if he hadn't revealed himself to us through his word, Debar. So there's a few more sections of the psalm that I would like, like us to reflect on. Could somebody volunteer to read, and I'm going to jump around now, verses 17 to 24. Dave, Dave. Heal bountifully with thy servant, that I may live and keep thy word. Open my eyes, that I may behold wonderful things from thy law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide thy commandments from me. My soul is crushed with longing after thine ordinances at all times. Thou dost rebuke the arrogant and the accursed who wander from thy commandments. Take away reproach and contempt from me, for I observe thy testimonies. Even though princes sit and talk against me, thy servant shall meditate upon thy statutes. Thy testimonies are in my delight at all times, and they are my counselors. Thanks. So, verse 18, I, I'm basically just sharing some things that really stuck out to me, like just sections that stuck out to me. Verse 18 is a powerful, powerful verse, and I've made it a habit to reading through the Bible every year. And I've been doing it for the last 25 years. And I hope to do it by God's grace for the rest of my life. And one of the things I do before I read the Bible is I try to pray this verse. Open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things you have from your law. So that whole idea, the, the verb there, open, is, the, is the, the same verb that's used in the story of Balaam. Where remember when ba when God opened the eyes, uh, the, the angel of the Lord that's standing in the road there. It's the same word there. Open my eyes. And so when we read the scriptures, we're not just reading a book, but we're reading something that's supernatural. And I just love the idea. Uh, I love the heart of the psalmist here that he's asking God to open his eyes. Prayer is an important and often neglected part of Bible study. Sometimes we can just make it very academic. And, you know, I went to seminary in my early 20s, and they always used the big joke was if you go to seminary, it's like going to cemetery. Like that's where people die. Their, their faith dies, right? And it's because you end up academically studying the scriptures instead of devotionally studying the scriptures, but I just love this verse, open my eyes. And then, and then just, you know, verse 24, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. 
counselors. I love that that pers personification there, that the God's word is like a counselor. And that's one of the things about this psalm that commentators will say. It's a little bit over the top as far as like, it's, it's almost like so personal, which, you know, makes sense because, you know, we have the written word and then we have the living word, Jesus, right? Who embodies and lived out Psalm 119 to a T. Okay, could somebody read? We're going to skip way ahead now to verse 105. 105 to 112. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. I love, you know, verse 105 is another verse that I've memorized in the past. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And it goes, how many of you guys all know the Amy Grant song, you know, right? We've all heard that, right? Yeah. But I just love this verse. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Imagine walking through a dark and unfamiliar place, stumbling and unsure of what's the way ahead. But then a light shines, illuminating your path, revealing the obstacles and guiding your steps. That's what God's word does for us. It serves as a lamp that brings clarity and understanding to our journey of faith. In this section, instead of reading the whole section, it's, it's section 129 to 136, because I want to leave time. I want to hear from you guys which psalm stood out to you this week. But I love this verse. Uh, 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I love that idea of the unfolding of God's word, how God unfolds his word to us. At times we may find ourselves feeling lost or uncertain or lacking wisdoms as we face life's challenges. We may struggle to discern the right path or to understand the purpose behind our circumstances. But the psalmist reminds us that God's word is a beacon of light that illuminates our way and imparts wisdom, even to the simplest of minds. But the whole idea of the unfolding of God's word, it requires our participation. We must engage with it, study it, meditate on it. We have to dwell into the pages of scripture. That's when the Holy Spirit can get a hold of our hearts. We have a part to play in it too. Like we have to take take action. And then I think my I think this is my final one. Oh no, maybe there's two more. Your promise is tried, and your and your servant loves it. Just the whole idea of the promises of God, and how the Bible is full of thousands and thousands of promises that God has made to us, and all of them have proved themselves to be true. And I just love that the psalmist even brings out the promises of God here. Okay, the very last verse of this psalm is kind of an interesting verse. Um, it's an interesting way to, to close out this, this psalm. 
The psalmist says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I, I do not forget your commandments. Wow. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? I mean, after all he wrote about God's word, his very last thing he says is he's talking about going astray. And what I think that reminds me of is that the Christian life is a struggle. It's a struggle. And at any moment, we can go astray. We have to be on guard. You know, there are moments when we, we feel distant from God. At times, we find ourselves wandering away from the path of God that God has set before us. We make choices that lead us astray, and we feel the weight of our own shortcomings. But in the midst of our wanderings, we're reminded that God's grace and love remain steadfast. He is the good shepherd who seeks after his lost sheep, ready to guide us back to the fold. It's interesting that the last verse, it brings up the, the idea of God being a shepherd. Part of this psalm, and I'm going to go over this super quick. This psalm teaches us what the Bible is, that the Bible is water for cleansing. It's wealth and treasure. It's a companion and a friend. It's a song that we, to sing. It's honey. It's like honey. It's a lamp and it's a heritage. But then it also teaches us what the Bible does, that it blesses us. It gives us life. It gives us strength. It gives us liberty or freedom. It imparts wisdom. It gives comfort and it gives us direction. So how do we see Jesus in Psalm 119? Let me just mention a few of the ways. Jesus is the word made flesh. You know, Psalm 119 is all about the word. It's, you know, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then in verse 14, and the word became flesh and, and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus perfectly loved and kept God's law for us. He's the sinless savior who bore witness to the things of God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the source of all blessing and life to those who obey him. He transforms our affections to love God more and more. And then he's the fulfillment of the law. Uh, he teaches us that God's word is all sufficient and reflects the very character of God himself. Okay, with that, I'd like to pause here and take your comments, questions, or if you have something you would like to share, maybe it's one of the, you know, a different psalm in this section, I would love for you to share it with the group. So, Thanks, Greg. Never really got into the psalms, but this is very interesting. Just being here with you guys helps a lot uh, to listen to maybe struggles you've gone through and struggles that I'm going through that it can help. And just to, just to love others, which is hard to do. So it keeps me on track and, um, coming here is a blessing. So thank you. Thank you all you guys in the study guide. It says the writer says about one nineteen nineteen that he is a stranger on earth. And so he need, he's needed guidance. Almost any long trip requires a map or guide. As we travel through life, the Bible should be our roadmap pointing out safe routes. 
obstacles to avoid, and our final destination. We must recognize ourselves as pilgrims, travelers here on earth who need to study God's map to learn the way. If we ignore the map, we will wander aimlessly through life and risk missing our real destination. So I thought that was pretty neat. And again, I want to thank each and every one of you guys for being here. It's a blessing. It's great. Thanks, Dominic. Oh, yeah. I just want to say this is a tremendous group. Uh, as I was reading the Psalms this week with my wife, we sit on our porch and we decided to, you know, since we're studying Psalms here in a church, we decided to go through them. And it, it's a funny thing because I was, I tend to read with my fingers since I have the enlarged print of the Bible. And when I hit verse 125, for some reason, it felt that I needed to stop. So I had my wife print this and put it on my workbench and just says, I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. And that for me is, is you know, I'm still a, a learning Christian, having been raised in a, in a Catholic family, but it just really stuck out to me. Mm. I love that you did that because I think that is so important when we get, when something stands out to us, we need to stop. And we need to underline it. We need to write. We need to. We need to meditate on that. That that that's the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Amen. Great. Well, Ralph is one of the best ushers at church. I mean, I hope you guys get to know him. Apologies to Ray, but Ralph is a great usher. <laughs> but what sticks out to me, what's always stuck out to me about one nineteen is one sixty five. Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I just think that more we meditate on the law because we're going to be offended. You know, there's a lot of offenses in this world. And, you know, if, if you study that, but there's two other verses that stuck out to me this week. And just very briefly, 115.3, our God is in heaven. He does all he pleases. 135.6, whatever the Lord pleases, whatever God pleases in heaven and earth, he does it all, right? So whatever pleases God, is what he does. And what, what a great testimony that is to us because it pleased him to save us. It pleased him to send Jesus. It pleased Jesus, you know, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. So we ought to understand that God is pleased, you know, and there's that scripture and I can't remember where it is, but it's the father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So, you know, that, that really stuck out to me this week that God is pleased with us to give us and to love us as his children. Amen. Question, comment. Growing up in a denomination that was very, very legalistic and all that was ever laid on me when I was a child and a teenager were legal. Okay, you gotta do this, you gotta do that, you gotta do that. So when you come down to verse four and You've laid down precepts. I'm wondering, my concept of a precept is the intent of the law. Is that what precepts mean here? And I think sometimes, if, if I'm right on that, a lot of times we look at the legal end of it and we say, okay, this is what God says, blah, 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 instead of looking at the intent of the law. So maybe one of my lawyer friends here can explain precepts. 
Really, that's a good segue to my point, Doug. Because I, first of all, this is excellent. And one of the ways I like to approach the book of Psalms is I am reading inspired poetry from the pen of God. Mm. And, and it is just so rich. And you brought out many of the riches, but just the first two verses, blessed are the blameless. And that immediately means that there's a division because some people aren't blessed. And the psalmist goes through this talking about how we are blessed if we keep the law, keep the precepts, study, meditate, search for him with the whole heart, as in verse 2. But ultimately, the psalmist comes to the recognition at the end that none of us are that person. We experience the blessings of God at times, but at the end, he ends about saying he's gone astray. And as you pointed out, that is all of us. So, Doug, okay. don't get caught up with precepts and that, because guess what? You're a sinner. <laughs> and you can't keep all the commands, but that's what's so great about it. This psalmist wants with all his heart to follow God, and yet he knows he falls short. But he's still blessed because he pursues them. So, yeah, we're blessed when we try to keep the commands in our imperfect way and the precepts and meditate upon the word with your whole heart. I like that. I think the uh, verses 93 and 94 of uh, 119 sums it up. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. Then 94, I am yours. Save me. So again, I think that goes to what you're saying. You, yeah. the Lord needs to say it. it's it's that yeah. Jesus in the yeah. Ray knows. Yeah, go ahead, Ray. In case you've ever heard me say it's a wonderful day, <laughs> it's because of Psalm one eighteen twenty four. This is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Very good. Very good. Okay, Bob Carl. Uh, I um, I wanted to point out this time through. Uh, I'm preparing to teach Proverbs next week, and as I hit Psalm 118, I thought there's more wisdom in the two liners in Psalm 118 um, than in all of Proverbs. I want to read just a couple of them to show how much wisdom across so many topics is in this one Psalm. Um, it starts out, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And then down in verse 6, the Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do to me? And then um, verse 8, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. And then moving on down to verse 19, open to me the gates of righteousness that I might enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. And then down in verse 22, the stone that the birds rejected has become the cornerstone. Of course, that refers to Jesus, but it also refers to each of us who has come to believe. And then finally, verse 26, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. 
And then it, it ends with, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Each one of those two liners is worth contemplating. And uh, maybe you ought to just memorize the whole Psalm 118. Hey, amen. So that's, that's a great comment. Before we move on, Jim Love, why don't you make your way up here? Because we're going to sing out this uh, this morning. But we're, no, we still have some comments. We still have room for comments. I want to say something like I'm I'm envious of your presentations <laughs> because if you know Professor Bob, he always has amazing pictures. And I want to apologize this morning that I didn't have great pictures. Yeah, yeah. See, because what happens to me when I search when I search you know for pictures, like I'll I'll, I'll search for a man carrying the ark stumbles, <laughs> and I'll find stuff like this, or or if I'm looking for Balaam's donkey, I'll. I'll, the image that comes up for me is this. I don't know how he finds these pictures for his presentations. And then, or if it's like the road to Emmaus, it's like this. It's like, what is going on? Like, let's stop clowning around. All right. Like, but I do, I, I do. I love the images he has in his presentation. It's, it's, uh, so that was good timing. A couple more comments while Jim is coming up and getting the guitar. And we got, we got, Joe, Joe and Bill. Um, Greg, thank you. It was a great presentation this morning. I, I would be remiss if I didn't remember my uh, good friend, Dr. Bob, in Psalm 139, which is his favorite. And it talks about the intimacy of David with God. He goes, oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know, when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my coming in. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before you've laid your hand upon me. He later goes on to talk about God knew him when he was woven together in a secret place. And then he says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. It talks about this closeness, this intimacy, how well God knows us. For those who say, did God, does God really know me? Does God really care about me? Read Psalm 139. I love that song. I've memorized that as well. The three omnis, right? Omniscience, omnipresence, and, and omnipotent. Yeah, the three omnis. That's, that's great. Bill? It'd be nice to have a God that was always gentle and, you know, just friends. But if you read the Old Testament, in the New Testament, Ananias and Sapphira knew a God that was sentenced by a God that was New Testament, but we wouldn't consider it gentle or kind or loving. It's just simply they were they did something that offended God. And he, I read Ezekiel this morning, and the way he comes down on the different nations is frightening, if I can use that word, because to be in the hands of an angry God, to quote a preacher that was responsible for the first great awakening, Jonathan Edwards, it's a fearsome thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. And if we take away from the fact that he does get angry sometimes, and he sometimes uses people to express that anger, as in the Old Testament with the Psalms and the prophets, then we take away from what God actually is. History repeats itself. And when you look at today's culture that we all would agree is getting very, very dark. If we look at the first century church when Paul was preaching and it was very dark, but the excitement of the, of the, of the, of the gospel being spread. But I think when you look at it, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And I think in a darker culture like today, 
that light can shine even brighter. And I think that's our calling card rather than getting, you know, looking at the negatives, look at the positive in our opportunities in a culture that's dying, that doesn't even know the basics about God. There's a couple of these ideas that we need to do in walking with God. So early on in the Psalms, he says, I will run the way of your commandments because you will enlarge my heart. It's this enabling aspect of grace. I can do it because God enlarges my heart. And then later on in the Psalms, he says, I will restrain in that Psalm. He says, I will restrain my feet from every evil way that I might keep your commandments. So God's enabling power and then self-control. We're supposed to exercise self-control uh, and kind of in a balanced way. God in, uh, enabling my heart, uh, enlarging my heart. I'm exercising self-control and one other element. And that's this. Uh, you might have heard me say, uh, love God and do as you please. Now, that's a kind of outrageous thing. But what does David say? He says, I will walk at liberty because I have sought your precepts. I love you. I'll walk at liberty because I love you. And so you have the enabling power. You have God's, his restraining influence. And then I can walk at liberty because I love you. So uh, it's, it's, it's a microcosm of how to walk with God. And somehow he enables it. So um, how about if I pray? You want me to pray? I'll pray us so. out. Thank you, God, that you love us for this great psalm, uh, for your enabling power. That, that we can walk, run the way of your commandments because you enlarge our heart. And yet you want us to restrain our feet from sin. And, and so we want to uh, uh, seek you, Lord, love you. And we know as we do that, uh, we can walk in liberty in the Christian life. And so I pray that that would sink deep into us. We would do that this week. And uh, we just rejoice that we have a country that we can seek you freely. And so we celebrate that as well. Uh, and, and Independence Day. God bless these men. Bless us. Help us to walk with you today and this week. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode. And remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.